Well, if you haven't, um, if if you haven't already known, you would be living under a rock right now. Um, the Paris attacks and the one, the other ones around the world in the last couple of days, and um, I was looking at news articles and just reading through the the horrific stories um, that people have said about what happened. And there's so much carnage and all these. Was, there was this one and then there was other terrorist attacks and all sorts of things but um, there were some other stories that were really dark and and um, painful and heavy as I was reading them and my auntie uh, in the UK was talking to me yesterday as well and she was upset about what had happened in Paris and she was just saying you know I just want it to stop I just want it to stop why do these kinds of things keep happening how can people be so evil and full of hate that they would take the lives of others and uh, the problem with social media these days is that anyone can say whatever they like and not be held accountable. And so over the past 48 hours, there's been you know, people with their profile pictures with the red, uh, white and blue. Um, but a lot of people have been updating their statuses with hate speech. You know, it's this person's fault and this person's terrible and this person's evil. And don't get me wrong, it is terrible. And I don't in any way condone what's happened. But I also read a famous quote yesterday by Martin Luther King that says, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. My auntie asks for it to stop. And the only way these things can stop is through love. The only way to drive out hate is through love. So why... With so many people saying the L word these days, do terrible things still happen? The dictionary defines love as an intense attraction for another person based on familial or personal ties. We love other people, or we say we love others, when we are attracted to them and when they make us feel good. But notice the key phrase in the dictionary definition is the two words, based on. This suggests that the type of love that we all understand and feel is usually conditional. In other words, we love someone because they fulfill a condition that we require. The reason that there is so much hate and evil in the world is because there is only a certain kind of love that can make a difference. And so with that introduction tonight, I want to preach for just a short while from this title, A Different Kind of Love. And we'll just pray. Father, I thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. I thank you for your love for us, Jesus. That, God, you came in flesh and died for each and every one of us, Lord. And, God, even in a world where things are chaotic, Lord God, and things just seem to be going wrong, Lord, we can still stand firm upon the promise that you love us, the promise that you'll never leave us and never forsake us. And tonight, Lord, as I bring your word, God, I pray that it would speak to your people, that it would encourage someone tonight, I pray, and that, Lord, everything that is done would be in that name that is above every other name the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So yesterday as I was preparing, I went to Google and did a simple search due to it supposedly having all the answers. And so I typed love in the keyboard and I pressed enter and I checked out what Google decided to tell me about love. And it had a whole list of different things. I don't know how many pages. And there was various definitions of love. There were fluffy quotes about the fuzzy wuzzy feeling. There was the love calculator, so you can put your name and someone else's name, and then it calculates how compatible you are with that person. Don't tell me how that works. 
There was online dating sites. Uh, there was relationship advice. There were love songs, um, like a list of love songs that you should play at your wedding, so I'll send that to Chelsea. But the one fundamental flaw with Google is that although many of us think it does have all the answers, it does not. And 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. I got up to page 15 of Google's results to the search on love, and I had not once come upon a link that said anything about God, nothing about what real love is. And I thought, how tragic is that, that the true definition of love is nowhere to be found. So many people are looking for love, and when they search, whether it be in a search engine or whether it be just experience in life, they are looking in all the wrong places. Google doesn't give the real answer. The only one who can give you the real love that is needed to change you and to change the world you live in is given by God. It's a different kind of love. And it doesn't matter how long you search. It doesn't matter how many online dating sites you go to. It doesn't matter how many people you speak to about love. You will not find it in what this world offers or what this world calls love. If we turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans chapter 5. Starting at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the kind of love that even though people don't realize it, can change their lives and change the world. Our definition of love speaks of conditions and limitations, as I said before. It's based on a reciprocal arrangement. I'll love you if. I'll like you if. And the divorce rate is so high in society today because people supposedly fall out of love. This is due so often to the fact that then when there's a time of struggle or hardship, they don't feel love for their partner. And it's the same with other relationships or friendships. We base our love on feelings, on that nice, warm, fuzzy thing inside of us, in our stomachs, the butterflies, thinking that that is love. But Romans 5 talks about a different kind of love, a love that went above and beyond feeling, above and beyond the conditions that we place on others, a love that was showed without condition. That while we were yet sinners, at our most unlovable, when most would have turned away and given up, when most would have said, nah, I don't feel like loving them, God came in the flesh and died for you and me. Now that is the kind of love that we need in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us would, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish, that any would die. And so he made a way for us to escape through the death of Jesus Christ and through his long-suffering to us. We have a way to be saved, a way to experience that kind of love. And if you've never experienced the love of someone that would take your place in death, then tonight you're able to experience that kind of love. If you've searched and come up dry and empty, that love is still available. 
That love will fill you. That love will drench you. It will overwhelm you. That is the kind of love that you need. But tonight I want to direct what the Lord has laid upon my heart to those who have already experienced a different kind of love. What happens after we experience the love of God? What happens once we are saved and born again? When we're first saved, when we're first filled with the Holy Ghost, we're filled with a passion and an enthusiasm to do whatever is needed in the kingdom. We clean the toilets, we straighten chairs, we help out in different departments. And as time goes on, some of us become involved in ministry and in leadership. And it's wonderful to see people saved, but I think even more wonderful to see what see people invest what God has done in their lives into the kingdom, to further his kingdom. And we should be involved in the kingdom of God. Don't get me wrong. Work needs to be done. Things need to be done to further the kingdom of God. When we understand what God has done for us, we should desire what others can also, uh, we should desire to show others the experience of that kind of love. Let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. We know this is a well-known portion of scripture. We've heard it preached before, and Jesus is coming for dinner, and so Martha's running around like crazy. Most women would understand what that's like when someone's coming to your house. You go around cleaning and making sure that everything's ready, and so she's making sure the kettle is boiled, ready to go, the house is clean, the meal is not burning in the oven, And so on. And there's Mary sitting on the carpet, just looking up at Jesus. Lord, don't you care that I'm doing all this work and Mary's slacking off? Martha, you're worried and so focused on all the stuff to do. But one thing is needed. One thing. And Mary has chosen that one thing, just to sit at my feet and just listen to me. Just to be in my presence. How often do we get busy doing for the Lord? How often do we look at our diaries and have no time at all just to sit? It's all about serving. It's all about getting in and doing the work of the Lord. And someone made a comment to me a couple of weeks ago that totally kind of hit me to the ground. They said, before you were ever his servant and he your Lord, you were first and foremost his child and he was your father. 1 John 3 and 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And we sang that song this morning. And as we were singing this morning, I changed the words a bit. I said, behold, what manner of love my father has bestowed upon me that I should be called a child of God to make it personal. And God loves me and I am his child. See what incredible, awesome, amazing love that our father has lavished upon us that we are called his children. Luke chapter 15 uh, shares the story of the prodigal son, another well-known story. It's about a father and two sons. And one son for 
one reason or another, decides that he wants his inheritance before his father passes and asks his dad for all the money that he's due. And so his father gives it to his son and the son goes away and he squanders it. He spends it all and he gets to a point where he is living in a pig pen and eating the food that the pigs are eating. And he decides he's had enough. And so he goes home to his dad. And he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And I wonder how many times we go to our heavenly father and say, I'm no more worthy to be called his child and don't realize that I was never worthy. I was never worthy of being his son in the first place. It's only by his unconditional love for me that I can find a place at his feet, in his family, in his house. And we know the response of the father to the son. It's like his son never did anything wrong. In fact, he puts a really nice robe on him. He puts a ring on his finger. He kills the best calf that they have, and they have a massive party. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 16 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you were filled with the Spirit of God, you became a child of God. You did not receive a spirit of bondage, the spirit of a slave, which just only produces fear. The slave is under constant fear and alarm, hoping they've done the right thing hoping they have cleaned enough or made the right meal or done the the right amount of work. And when they haven't, they're scared they're going to get punished. But when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we receive the love of God. And we're able to cry out to Him as our Father, not as just a Lord or Master, but Father. And the words in verse 14, Abba, Father, speak of an intimacy, an affectionate and familiar relationship. These words can similarly be translated in the English uh, to that of a ch- what a child would use for a father here. Daddy, daddy, dad, I'm here. I don't so much remember the times when um, I was young because obviously I was really young and we don't normally remember things when we're children. But um, it's normally the home video clips that remind me of things that happened in my life, some of them more embarrassing than others. But there are times when I would see us run towards the camera, obviously being my father, And we'd cry out, Daddy, Daddy. We wanted to show him something. We wanted to to talk to him. And my dad, he's my father, and I'm a part of him, and he is a part of me. And we have a close relationship. And as I was putting this message together, I was thinking about my relationship with my dad. And I couldn't remember ever questioning my father's love for me. Maybe when I was a teenager, when he would say things or tell me I couldn't do something. But every time I knew that what he was doing, the decisions he was making, was based on his love for me and wanting the best for his daughter. How come when it comes to the love of God, do we question him? He is our heavenly father. Behold what manner of love the father has lavished upon me, that I might be called a child of God. We sing, the word, we sing the words, we hear it taught, we read it in the word, but when it comes to actually accepting the love of God, we question and we fear. We come into his presence as a servant first, forgetting that before, before we ever started working for him, we became his children and he was our dad. And just like our earthly fathers take care of us and love us, even when we get on their nerves, 
and maybe mess up at times, he loves us for who we are. I used to hate doing the dishes at home and I hate them even more now because there's no one else to do them for me. But my dad is the best dishwasher around. So we keep telling him, right? <laughs> Quite often we'll be sitting there having dinner, we'll finish dinner and he'll just start getting up and taking the dishes and we'll hear the, the water turn on and he's filling the, the sink. And I say, oh, dad, don't worry, I'll do it this time. Anyone that's been over our house at dinner time can say. <laughs> and majority of the time he ends up going, no, 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 I'll do them, it's fine. Sometimes he goes, oh, that'd be nice. And you're like, oh, man. But pretty much 99% of the time, dad just does them. Now, I, if I leave and go do something else, go to my room, my father's love for me is no less than what it was before I offered to do the dishes. My dad loves me for who I am not for what I do or don't do for him. The same is with God, but we think it's different. We think that if we do, 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 he will love us more, more and more. But we're wrong. The prodigal son came back and they celebrated. The father had a big party, but there was another son in the house. He's pouting out the back. You know, he doesn't want to be in the party. Father, so the father comes out and asked, what's wrong? And so Luke 15, 29 says, And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments, and yet thou never gavest me a kid or a calf, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother, thy brother, was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. If we do not learn to understand and accept the love of our Heavenly Father, we will become just like the prodigal's brother. I've done all this stuff for you, Lord, Master, King. Why don't you give me what I want? Why don't you love me? If you loved me, you would have thrown me a party. Don't you understand, son? Everything that I have is yours. Everything. I love you because you are my son. Not because you've served me all these years. Ephesians 3 and verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God grounded in love the love of God is the foundation of the gospel the building blocks of the reason we are even here it's all because of the love of God. He loved us, so he came and died for us. That's the reason we are able to be saved. And if we do not understand and accept that love for us, purely on the basis that we are his children, then everything falls apart. We will continually strive to serve, to do and be involved in every way possible. And there is nothing wrong with being involved in the kingdom of God. Don't get me wrong. But we would be just doing it just to get in God's good books to be on the top. Of, I don't want to be on the blacklist. But as we read before, we have not been given the spirit of a slave, but the spirit of adoption, where we have now become his children. 
not a servant, not a slave. And I read in some notes about this passage in Ephesians that talks about being grounded in love that interestingly, interestingly, Paul did not pray that they would love God more. Instead, he prayed that they would understand God's love for them. Often we're okay with saying we love God, but when it comes to accepting his love for me, uh-uh, I struggle. Our own flesh tells us that we can never be what we think we should be to get that love, to gain his love. And the devil also likes to use fear and to tear us down and tell us we're worthless, that we can't make it and we can't ever measure up to that kind of love. The devil, our enemy, just wants to steal, kill and destroy. And quite often he won't stop, he can't stop you from from finding God and starting to serve God because it's such a powerful experience when you're at that point all you want to do is find this, find God. But what he does try to do is hinder your walk with God by whispering into your ear. You've stuffed up too many times. You're too far gone. If God really loved you, he wouldn't let you go through this situation or that problem. God really doesn't love you. And he plants doubts in our minds. Fear that you will never be able to obtain the love of God. But can I say to you tonight, if you are filled with the Holy Ghost... If you've experienced the new birth, then you are loved. You are loved because you have the Holy Ghost. Romans 5 and 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. You must know tonight that if you have the Holy Ghost, you have the most solid and convincing testimony of God's love to you. And that is that he dwells in you in me. He dwells in human flesh. What an amazing thing that the God of all the universe, the King of Kings, the Almighty God would impart part of himself into our lives. Hallelujah. If we think that the love of God is only obtained by what we do, then we will get to a place where all we feel like we've done is failed and we will only see Jesus as a master and never as a loving father. 1 John 4 verse 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. If we serve God out of fear and not out of an understanding that he loves us, then we will only have torment. But it says that God's perfect love casts out fear. Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33, if we turn there. Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Our heavenly Father knows that we need clothes. He knows that we need shelter, that we need food. 
He knows all of this. And as our Heavenly Father also wants to provide these things for us. He knows what we need and He also knows how to provide it. If we don't, uh, we don't have to work to obtain His love and in turn get the things that we need. All we need to do is seek Him. To seek Him first, as verse 33 said, and accept what He did for us on Calvary. And He'll take care of the rest. Do you think that if he could, have t- could take care of a massive worldwide sin problem that he can't take care of the little things in your life? If he can take care of the sin of the entire world, the burdens of the world, can he not take care of you? James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The Lord has a plan for each of our lives. And it is when we can truly accept the Father's love that we can truly accept whatever comes our way. Because when we know, believe, and accept God's love for us, we know that he won't let anything happen to us that isn't for a purpose. Luke 12, 32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Romans 8 and 28 seems to be the theme scripture for 2015. Everyone's preached it this year. But it is good. And we know that all things, all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And Romans 8 verse 37 to 39 says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. Are you persuaded tonight? Are you persuaded about the love of God? What does it mean to you? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what we go through, if we know that he loves us, then we can have confidence that nothing, nothing will happen that can separate us from him and his plan for our lives. In our time of need, we can run to him and cry out, Daddy, Daddy, and know that he's there waiting for us, waiting to just love us, not for what we have or haven't done, but just because we're his sons and his daughters. When the Lord was teaching the disciples how to pray, how did he start off? It wasn't, Lord and Master, I'm so unworthy and cannot stand in your presence. It wasn't, your servant has done this and this and this today, so can I please come in? No, it was our Heavenly Father. It starts with a father-child relationship. We don't have to slink into his presence with fear and trepidation. Instead, we can run into his presence knowing that he is waiting there just to hold us in his arms and love us. So when we understand and accept the love of our Father, we can truly enjoy sitting at his feet like Mary did. Because we don't have to worry about the dishes. We don't have to worry that the kettle's boiled or not. I mean, he can boil the water just by talking to it anyway. He, it, we don't need to worry about those things like Martha did. It's a different kind of love. And it's the kind of love that this world needs. This world of hurting people need the love of God. 
in a world of such hate and evil and darkness, the world needs to hear about the love of a father. This different kind of love. So how? How can people hear about or see the love of the father? Because the love that us humans know of and that us humans show doesn't really cut it. We read before in Romans 5 and 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And we cannot love in our own strength. We cannot love with this different kind of love without the Holy Ghost working in us. It is only through God that we can share this love to the hurting and the dying of the world. And we are commanded to love. John 13 verse 34 to 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. To love one another as Christ loved us? That's a pretty big ask. That means dying to ourselves. That means loving those who are kind of unlovable. That's a different kind of a love. A love that doesn't ask for anything in return. First John 5, 1 to 3 says, though who's, uh, No, verse 2 to 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. If we can accept the love of God, then doing what he asks isn't hard. If we can understand the awesome power and the love that Jesus has for us, the commandments that he asks of us, the things that he wants us to do and say or not do or not say, it's not hard when we understand God's love. If we accept God's love for us, then he gives us the strength to love the same way. There are some people I think, how, how can I love that person? Just They really just... They're not really lovable in my sight. But when we allow the Holy Ghost to move in us, it's amazing what can come out of your mouth to that person and you can encourage them and tell them that you love them and you can truly love them. It's not just fake. That's why accepting the love of our Heavenly Father is so very important. If we do not accept that love, we are unable to love ourselves and in turn we are unable to love our neighbor. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When the Lord filled us with his spirit, he gave us love. But it isn't just about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is only the evidence that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We think that if we can speak in tongues all the time, whew, the spirit of God's really working in me. So not true. Speaking in tongues does not mean that you are allowing the Spirit of God to work in you. We read in 1 Corinthians 13 that you can speak with the tongues of man and angels. You can have the gifts of the Spirit. You can have knowledge and bestow all your goods to the poor and yet still not have love. Galatians 5 tells us that love is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that doesn't just happen by itself but takes effort. And I'm not going to talk about my garden tonight. But it takes the desire to live and walk in the Spirit, not just knowing you are filled with the Spirit. More than ever before, this world needs to know there is a love that transcends the darkness of this world, a different kind of love, a love that they have not known before. And the only way 
that they will find out about this different kind of love is by you and by me. They will only see it running through us to each other if we first accept God's love for us, though. We cannot love one another if we don't understand his love for us. It's all well and good to say you need to accept God's love, but how? How do you accept God's love? So often we're taught to, you know, do this or do that, but how do I do it? How do we accept God's love in the beginning? When you first came and you were first filled with the Holy Ghost, what happened? When your sins were washed away, you lifted your hands, you closed your eyes, and you just worshipped God and you said, I accept your love. It sounds too easy and simple, but it actually works. Because did you not get filled with the Holy Ghost when you did that? But it isn't just a once-off thing, though. It's an everyday decision to remember and believe in God's love for us and his goodness and not allow the devil to throw darts in our lives. Every day we need to pray that God would protect our minds from the thoughts of doubt and fear. Because like his word says, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If I can have sisters thank you for the piano. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 8 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And God's love for you and I will never fail. It never stops. It never finishes. He never says, that's enough. I'm fed up with you now. He loves you because you are his child and he is your father. And when we understand that, we can sing those words that we sang tonight. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When the world is, when the sun is shining down on me and when the darkness closes in, I can still say blessed be the name of the Lord because I know that he loves me and he won't allow anything to come my way that I can't handle with him. Before you were ever his servant, and he your Lord and Master. You became a son or a daughter of the Heavenly Father. So tonight I just want to open these altars. If you feel as though God doesn't love you, I want to present you with an opportunity just to come and lift your hands, close your eyes, and just say, God, I accept your love.